0: This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. to episode 46 of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that is about the power of story, story that is of benefit to the person listening to the tale because we can take away lessons from other people's lives, and story also of benefit to the person who is sharing the tale because to enter the space of reflecting on one's life offers this unique opportunity to really understand ourselves. And this week is a little different, where I'm not interviewing a new person, but rather revisiting an older episode. I'm going all the way back to episode two of the podcast, which debuted in April of 2017. That's how far back we go. This is Carol Burning, who is an artist in the middle Tennessee area who is a painter. And we jump right into the episode where she's talking about an element of art known as value. I'm just going to read a little definition to introduce this value deals with the brightness or darkness of a color. So I'm bringing this up because I want to take these interviews. I want to take these conversations and I want to find what elements of any person's life, of their story, of their journey that may seem so specific to them can be applied to all of life. That's the goal of this episode. In other words, how can we take a painter's experience and apply it to the whole of life. So let's jump right in right now and hear Carol Burning talking about a specific part of her art, one of her original pieces, and how value came into play here.
1: This is a painting that I call At the Gallery. And I painted this from a photograph that I took of a man looking at, well, actually, there were several people in the photograph, And they were looking at paintings on the wall in the gallery in Abingdon, Virginia, where Mm. the Women Painters of the Southeast show was last time. I was just struck by the light coming in the window and the shadows on the floor. And so I wanted to do a monochromatic painting of that. And I used burnt umber and burnt sienna in that painting. Which are colors uh, specific. Yes. And... I wiped away areas or didn't put any paint on it to get the lightest lights. So the you know, the window, for instance, has no paint on Mm -hmm.
0: it. So what when I look at that, what I see, and I I am not classically trained, but I, I see that this is a way of kind of reducing the number of elements. So you're you're only using the this specific color scheme and yet by reducing, by going a bit more reductionist, you draw attention like you said, to the light in that room if if there were a lot of colors, it seems like it would not give you as clear of a, a feel for there's what a, you were there's
1: a chance that 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 would be true the The viewer might be only looking at the colors and not necessarily the values and and that and that's something that I have learned as I have been painting. And I continue to learn it and and relearn Mm. it. The value is actually more important than the color.
0: Oh, talk more on that.
1: Well, if if you have, I mean, you can paint a purple cow. It doesn't matter that it's purple. If you have the values right, if you have the darkest darks in that painting, if you have the lightest lights. I did a painting several years ago, well, about three years ago of a still life of some eggs Mm, and on a red kitchen towel with money because I sell my eggs and from my chickens and I called it egg money. It was, it's always been one of my favorite paintings. I loved it. And I would take it to shows or festivals or wherever I was selling my wares and it never sold. And I thought that's, You know, i got to figure out what's going on with that painting. Mm -hmm. I discovered this past year that what was wrong with that painting was that everything was the same value. It had this bright red towel and it had these gorgeous uh, light brown eggs and it had a green dollar bill and it had shiny coins. But when I looked at it through a red transparent film, which takes the color away and reduces everything to value i saw that's what's wrong with it it's all one value so i redid the painting a few weeks ago so
0: not enough contrast not
1: enough contrast the darks the darks weren't there
0: this is like what this reminds me of immediately is music the the i don't remember exactly who said it, but someone said it's, it's as much about the sounds as it is the spaces between the sound, the silences. Yes. That's right. Um, You, otherwise you're just pounding on the keyboard keys or whatever Mm -hmm. instrument may it be. You've got to have this contrast. Mm -hmm. Now I found that fascinating because, and, and I did comment on this in that, in that interview, how this is, is present in other places of life, but I want to take it really philosophical because my hope is that we can really apply it to our day-to-day lives that we can see this value this <laughs> this value of value this notion of value I should say reflected in the rest of life so if value is about being very intentional about emphasizing the colors the brightness in a piece where you see the contrast, man, doesn't that have application in the whole of life? This is especially a challenge for someone, perhaps, I would argue, like me, who loves jacks of all trades. You know, this is particularly relevant for someone like me because I love a lot of things. And I think it can you can build a life where there's a lot of color everywhere or there's a lot of brightness or darkness or whatever. The point being, if there's not contrast, if there's not lines, if there's not specificity to what we do, do we risk having a cacophony of different voices and things going on in our life? If we don't have specific lines defined where does one part of our life connect to the rest this is a really abstract thing to think about but i do think it applies i do think perhaps we don't want our lives to be so regimented and so structured that they lack spontaneity but perhaps for those of us like myself and I'm just using myself as an example, who are naturally more impromptu, perhaps this notion can be very helpful, that a beautiful piece of work has to have defined lines, has to have a level of contrast so that the parts that we are emphasizing, the parts that we are good at, the parts that we have chosen to value really shine through just a thought. All right. So this next section is Carol talking about being fearless because we get into the idea that when you are doing art, when you are doing anything that is going to have an audience, it has the possibility of creating fear has the possibility of, of creating folks, evaluating you And we'll jump right into her speaking around, really going way back to her childhood of an initial experience that it's very interesting because it's a lesson that applies to art, but it also applies to what we've been talking about all of life. So let's check that out.
1: I think I was 16. I'll have to look back at the date, but... I was I I performed on the Ted Mac Amateur Hour. You're too young to know what the Ted Mac Amateur mm-hmm. Hour was, but it's TV kind of like Star Search, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The Voice, <laughs> that's yeah. And I was a you know little teenager from Alamo, Tennessee, and and my family took me to uh, Miami Beach, Florida, and I sang with the Jackie Gleason Orchestra in the Jackie Gleason wow. Studio, and <laughs> so. So yeah, I think I've always been fearless.
0: Because early on, you put yourself in the fire, and were you, do you remember being nervous about it then?
1: No, because <laughs> I didn't have my glasses on, and I'm blind as a bat, <laughs> and I couldn't see the uh, I couldn't see the the crowd that, in wow. that was sitting in the audience. So. I wasn't nervous it was just
0: this amorphous yeah. <laughs> blend of other out there but yeah. that that's so that, I'm sure there's a great metaphor or symbol <laughs> there of of just take sometimes just go take blindly. Your, yeah take your glasses <laughs> off quit studying all the details
1: well and actually that was a good that's a good thing to do in painting as well hmm. every teacher that I've had every article that I read about you know, how to do, how to, how to paint, how to draw, is to squint. When you squint at, don't squint at your painting, but squint at your subject. Squint at whatever it is that you are going to be painting. And when you do that, you, you reduce everything to its simplest elements. You see those values that I was talking about earlier. You see the darks, you see the lights, you don't see the details so i will often take my glasses off when i'm painting and when i'm looking at something out there
0: because yeah. in some way when we see all the details perhaps we're not seeing something at its mo Maybe there's a deeper seeing perhaps is is that kind of what you're when you when you reduce it again kind of like the uh, monochromatic mm-hmm. Situation.
1: It, it helps to show you what's the most important. Mm,
0: essential. Mm-hmm. Don't squint. Isn't that such a good little tagline for anybody that overthinks anything? There is such a great benefit to being prepared, to looking at what could happen. But isn't it also powerful when you metaphorically or literally take your glasses off. That's got a, that, you know, that's paradoxical when I think about that because the people who may most benefit from that advice are the folks that would have the hardest time implementing it. That's probably how a lot of things work. I guess that is how a lot of things work. But if you're one of these planning, very future focused, overthinking analyzing, gathering all the details, and being prepared as one can possibly be, man, I mean, perhaps to, to to help that equation, I don't know if I want to use the words to balance that equation, but it, there. I guess there could come a certain point where you have to just dive into whatever it is you're doing, and... Maybe that's the benefit. For the person who overthinks, it's good perhaps to overthink at a certain stage, and then it's good to take the glasses off, to stop squinting, and to step up on the stage. I don't know. Again, I I just thought that that's a very helpful little amulet of a statement. Don't squint. Take your glasses off. Don't look so closely. How could this also apply to, you know, it makes me think of a great day one might be having, and then there can be a lead domino of some annoying thing or exhausting thing. Maybe sometimes it's a good idea just not not look too closely at it. Doesn't mean uh, to ignore or avoid or not look at reality. But do we look at reality too closely? Sometimes I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to advocate for a view, but trying to internalize what I heard here. Uh, I liked that. I liked that a lot. All right, one final section from Carol Burnings' interview. Let's let's check that out. Okay, I love I love this as well. This is about kind of zooming out at this whole conversation that we've been talking about and. Acknowledging how the things that we do, in her case, art, painting, studying color and value and all these things that we've been talking about, how, how one component of our lives colors the rest of our life. And so let's jump right in. And, and this is her talking about how an everyday part of life was colored, pun intended, by her being an artist. What for you... Does doing this, how does that color the rest of your life?
1: Hmm. I look at everything with new eyes now. Whether, you know, I can be driving down the road and see the most amazing colors in the sky that I never saw before I started painting. I just, I, I can see things And so uh, not too long after I started painting and and Susan had talked with us about color and, you know, I was really thinking about color. I was stopped at a stoplight and the next time, about dusky dark in Mm -hmm. the evening, when you're stopped at a stoplight, I want you to look at those three lights and Try to find a place where there's not going to be anybody behind you because they might get a little irritated sure. with you not going through Moving the lights. Yeah, go, go,
0: go! Hurry, yeah.
1: <laughs> but look, look at the lights, at the color in those lights. It is amazing. It's amazing. So, so I I look at everything with the, with a different eye now than I did before.
0: I love that. I I love when one sector of our lives makes another sector more beautiful, more interesting. I mean that to me that's the ingredients of a, of a wonderful life is how we can tie together uh, maybe seemingly disparate parts of our experience. That way, you know, a drive home is not just a drive home, but an exercise in wonder, an experience of not only studying uh, something for the sake of the art that we're doing, or the work we're doing, or the performance, or whatever, but also to deepen our appreciation of color. Period. You know, looking at a red light, looking at a green light, and seeing it as if for the first time, because we've now, you know, it it, it just makes me think of like an RPG, like a video game or a board game, any kind of a game, a role-playing game where you are increasing your skills you know you're leveling up as they say well for me it's not necessarily as much about leveling up and becoming better this story isn't about someone necessarily becoming better here you're not a better person because you you look at a stop sign in a more intentional way you're not a more efficient person if you do that you're not a more effective person, but you experience beauty in a way. And I feel like that, in, in a, you experience beauty in a way that you didn't before, or you were more able to receive it. That has nothing to do with your worth or your merit. That's to me what's beautiful about when we go deep into the things that we love, because the rest of life can feel more beautiful especially in an age and a world where we can be so uh, minded around our accomplishments or our merits or what we know. And, of course, those things are important and necessary, and I'm not saying they don't matter. But this realm of beauty, of, of finding whatever beauty is for each individual person, that's what I'm interested in this story. How can the act of learning to paint Make a stop sign more interesting. And that applies to every person's life, every story. How can doing Brazilian jiu jitsu, how can starting a business, how can finding where you're supposed to live, how can all of these things color the rest of one's life? That's a huge goal to answer that question through people's stories, through their journeys in this podcast. That's, that's, that's a huge part of what I'm looking for here. I hope that you've enjoyed part three of this offshoot series I'm doing called what I've learned. I do these as buffers between episodes and interviews. If you are enjoying this podcast, thank you so much for coming along for the ride. The best thing you can do is either write a review on Apple iTunes had a couple more reviews recently. Thank you so much for those folks that dove in and did that. Of course, sharing it, if a particular episode was meaningful for you with a family member or friend, that is deeply appreciated. And finally, if you're just listening right now, thank you. Or if these ideas interest you, if these topics interest you, email me, Aaron, at EpicOrdinaryLives.com. A-A-R-O-N at epicordinarylives.com. This podcast will be back in a couple of Thursdays from now to feature another Epic Ordinary Life. Until then, take care of yourself.